You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Alright, let's do this. Welcome everybody to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hutspeth, and happy 4th of July. I think this episode actually drops on the 3rd, but uh, more than likely you've already started celebrating, or maybe you have the day off. Uh, I swear, like, three out of every five people I've talked to this week are going on vacation this week, and so if that's you, I hope you're having fun on the beach or climbing a mountain, lake, wherever it is that you are. Uh, I just hope that you're having a great time. Thank you also for listening to this show, and I uh, also want to uh, just take a little time to, to just say thank you to anybody who is uh, military, ex-military, first responder, hospital worker, just anybody who helps make this country what it is today and gives us the freedom that we have and allows us to do the things that we love. So thank you to all you guys. We really, really appreciate it. So so yeah, not a ton to cover in this intro. Um, this last week and this last weekend, I was basically just babysitting and helping my wife. Uh, she's uh, essentially running our uh, church's church camp this week for the youth. And so she has just been running 120 miles per hour and so I've been doing a little extra dad duty with the baby been trying to help her you know take her food run errands stuff like that and so I haven't got to do a whole lot uh, of you know outdoorsy type stuff or anything like that but this coming weekend uh, I am headed to the ranch my goals for the weekend are to fill my protein feeders with something I've yet to figure out what that is whether I'm going to make my own feed again whether I'm going to bite the bullet and buy some kind of cheap protein. Um, I just want to get something in those feeders uh, to get some deer, you know, on my property, staying on my pr- property, conditioned to coming to my property and uh, and try to get some off the neighbors. And so uh, that is by far and away the, the main goal. The other goal is to run an electric fence to protect my amazing soybeans that I keep bragging on. Uh, basically, there's one pasture where the cows, like the, the soybeans are mostly fenced, but there's a really deep creek, and if the cows run low on grass and the water's down, kind of like it is right now, uh, the cows can get down in the creek, go under the fence, and then pop out and eventually get into the soybeans. And so my plan, I, I when I was mowing a couple weeks ago, I went ahead and went down there and mowed a strip through the grass so it's nice and short, won't get up into the wire or anything, and, uh, and I want to run an electric fence along that creek bank so that if cows come out, they can't just go willy-nilly and get in my soybeans, so... So yeah, those are the two main goals. Um, I need to do a little bit of like changing out straps on some tree stands and ladders. Um, I need to level some blinds that got pushed off last year. Some smaller stuff like that. I don't know if I'll get to it this weekend, uh, just because we also have you know family plans and stuff like that. But but uh, yeah, getting the feeders filled and probably getting some cameras out are the main goal. Um, it's it's July now. Like this is kind of the time of year where you can start telling what bucks are what, you know, it's getting easier to identify them. You can kind of start to tell who's around, where they're at. Now, again, uh, a word of warning, most likely those bucks will shift. Um, But it's still fun to see, you know, who's around, who made it through last season, and and basically just get those daydreams start rolling, you know, get that, uh, get the mind start working, you know, where's that buck, where was he last year, Uh, what can I do to, to put things into my advantage, and yeah, I'm 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 not gonna lie, guys. I've been thinking a lot about old Mister Two Percent. Um, 
which I hate <laughs> because uh, the reason I call him 2% is because I give myself a 2% chance of killing him every year. Uh, it used to be 1%. I, I uh, A year or two ago, I bumped it up to 2%. Uh, this last year, I probably should have moved it back down to 1%, although I did actually have an encounter with him. But, uh, but man, I just I, I don't have a lot of other bucks that I'm like looking forward to this year. And so he's kind of, I mean, he's always in the back of my mind, but he's kind of moved a little bit closer to the front. And so I don't know what else I can do to try to attract him. Uh, like I said, last year I did uh, move one of my setups, and that's where I had the encounter with him. Uh, he was in uh, one of my food plots a few times last year. That's where I have uh, actually the soybean plot that I was just talking about that I want to protect from the from the cows. Uh, he was in that a few times, and those that, that plot is by far the best right now. Those beans are looking amazing. Um, so yeah, I'd like to get some cameras up, start tracking that guy down. I, I don't know what else I can do. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, the area where he really likes to hang out, that's one of our main cow areas. So I can't go in there and, and, you know, plow under three acres of pasture and put a nice food plot like I would like to do. Um, just can't do that, uh, you know, to the ranch. Um, so I'm kind of stuck with feeders and, and just trying to play it safe be patient and, and draw them out. And so, so yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Um, it'd be nice to, uh, you know, have a few other bucks show up. It seems, I don't know why, but it seems like with this property, it seems like every year, just one pretty good random buck shows up that I've never seen before. Um, the buck that I killed with my muzzleloader last year, I had zero history with him. Um, two years ago, the, the buck that I killed with my rifle, he was not there the previous year, but he had been there like the year before that. And so I don't know where these deer go. I don't know what their plan is, but it kind of works out in my favor because, you know, they, they go away. Apparently they're not getting killed, um, but they don't like learn my, you know, they don't learn any of my stands or any of my stuff. And then they come back and it's just kind of like hunting a fresh, awesome deer. So cross my fingers, that happens again. It's a, it's an awesome problem to have. And other than that, that's about all I got for you guys in this intro. We have an awesome podcast, one that I've been looking forward to literally for years. For the first time ever, uh, I am having Mr. Emperor himself, Dan Johnson, on my podcast. I've been on his several times, but this is the first time Dan has actually come on my podcast, and we are talking about hunting white-tailed deer in Iowa. So I drew the tag. I officially drew the tag. Dan is from Iowa. That's where he grew up hunting and everything. So we just have a really good conversation. Uh, and really the main thing I wanted out of this is expectations. What can I expect realistically going to Iowa? And that's one of the reasons that I chose Dan because Dan, if you guys haven't heard his podcast or anything, he's one of the straightest shooters I've ever seen. He's not going to give you rainbows and sunshine um, unless it's deserved. He's just going to tell you honestly the way it is. And so, uh, you know, everybody, or I think a lot of people at least, uh, dream of hunting Iowa. They see the stuff on TV, but, you know, a lot of that stuff is just not realistic for the common person, especially an out-of-state person like myself going in basically completely blind. And so we cover, man, we cover expectations, we cover terrain, we cover, uh, you know, saddle hunting versus stand hunting, um, what kind of caliber of bucks should I expect, um, just the whole gambit. And so if you uh, have hunted Iowa, dream of hunting Iowa, maybe you're, you know, getting points like I've been doing for the last seven years and, and you're on your way. Um, I think this is a really, really awesome conversation. And if you're just, if you just enjoy deer hunting, I think there's some good stuff in here too. Cause we just kind of talk about deer behavior. We go into a little bit of strategy, not, not a ton, um, but it's just a really, really cool conversation. And so, uh, and I should also warn you, you're never going to talk to Dan without getting some kind of, uh, parental advice. And so that's kind of how we start things off. And, uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll quit talking. We'll just get into the episode. I'm going to do a, a quick little commercial here for our partners, and then we will get into the episode right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. 
Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show. Today we have the Emperor himself, Mr. Dan Johnson. How you doing, Dan? Yeah, I don't know what I'm the Emperor of. But, uh... <laughs> Sportsman's Empire, baby. Sportsman's yeah, Empire. The, the, the Emperor of, like, dirty dirty clothes <laughs> and the emperor of cleaning the kitchen mm-hmm. and the emperor of building a deck like uh-huh. that's that and, and and being a baseball coach that oh, yeah. is my that is my life right now nice nice very nice very nice i got i do have to make a a quick confession real quick before we get going every time i type nine finger chronicles i got a google chronicles to figure out how to spell it <laughs> hey, every time still hey, haven't learned dude. Uh, it took me when I decided that was going to be the name long time ago. I had to, uh, this is no joke. I had to practice spelling Chronicles so many times that now, you know, I, I do it so many times. Like uh, when I, when I write my write-ups for the episodes that I put out, you know, it's like on this episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. And it it took me like a year to get to, <laughs> like to not have to have autocorrect, correct it for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Part of it, man. Part of it. Yeah. But, but anyway, man, I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for jumping on. And uh, real quick, I better let you introduce it because I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the first time you've actually been on my show. I've been on your show several oh, times, wow. but I don't think I've actually had you on my show. So just in case somebody's been listening to my feed, why don't you introduce, introduce yourself real quick? Yeah. Dan Johnson, uh, Nine Fingers, three kids, married 11 years. I own the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network, which John is on. I host the Nine Finger Chronicles Podcast, the Hunting Gear Podcast. Uh, I like to deer hunt, and uh, that's really—I mean, I'm a—I'm a parent, and I'm a, uh, a chauffeur, and I am sometimes, depending on how annoying my kids make me, I'm also a dictator. So, <laughs> so I was—I was going to say you're always very willing to give parental advice uh to oh, us man. guys who you know are not quite as far along in our our parenting careers you 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 love it yeah how how is your little one man she's she turns one in three weeks so she is almost one i know that's awesome man yep. hey at least the birthday the birthday comes before the hunting season that's that right was the most that's the most it, important thing it, it was and man speaking of birthday sorry i don't well uh, whatever people love this stuff too uh so like before like while my wife was pregnant before the baby was born my wife was like you know i don't understand why people go so all out with the one-year birthday like oh i don't think yeah. we're gonna yeah like you know i don't think we're gonna you know blah, blah blah like i don't think we'll do anything and then when the baby was like two or three months old she's like you know like maybe we'll have a family party you know for the grandparents yep. and stuff like yep. that dude yep. she has she has rented a water slide uh she is trying to get uh one of our friends to bring their goats for like a petting zoo uh the, I, don't, I don't know what i don't know what the guest list is at now but yes yeah, so 500 went, people yeah it went from like let's not do anything to a huge ordeal and so yeah you're gonna have to take a uh, refinance your uh, i know home to, to yep. fund this thing yep i finally had to cut her off and give her a budget so <laughs> but, uh, yeah. so, so that's how things are going with with kids and so. that's life man once uh-huh. Once, uh, I'll say it once a woman gets something in their head, it's very hard to talk them out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and especially like right now, uh, my wife is almost dead set on buying a pontoon boat Oh, and doesn't really care about any of the logistics that come with owning a boat. Like, Hey, you got to put gas in it and you have to store it in the winter time. And uh, you have to register it and you have to make sure all of the life jackets and things are there. All she envisions is cruising down the lake, mm-hmm. you know, with a drink in her hand. Mm-hmm. And I, I unfortunately am the logical one that is kind of rains on everybody's parade. And I'm just like, well, did you know? And then I say something <laughs> like, like real, like uh-huh. reality. And then you know how it is. Though. And, it, and it doesn't work out. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's like, I want to be on a boat. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I'll probably buy a boat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, cool, man. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, one thing you didn't mention is that you are from the great state of Iowa. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what we're here to talk to th- about today because I've already mentioned it on my show and Instagram because I was so excited. But I drew an Iowa archery tag. And yeah, so buddy. This uh, it's been a seven year process. So I had okay. five five points. So one year, one point per year for five years. I missed a year because I was a dummy. Mm-hmm. And then this year to actually draw it. So this has been a seven yeah. year process. Um, I'm not afraid to say it because nobody, it's not like somebody can just show up and hunt it anyway. I am hunting zone five, which is South yep. central Iowa. Um, and man, Premier. I just, yes, Premier. Like yes. it's one of the premier zones. Yep. Yes. So I figured if I'm going to do it, going to do it big. And yep. so I'm ready. I'm excited, but I just figured might as well, you know, since I have you as a resource, have you on, uh, I know there's other people out there listening who maybe drew this year, maybe going to draw in the future. So I just figured this would be a really cool conversation to have. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So you drew, right? I, I drew. And so when you opened up the email and it said successful, mm-hmm. like, did you get fired up a bit? Oh, so so let me tell you the whole story real quick. So okay. I, yes, do it. Do I, it. I, I, I was out at the ranch and this year okay. I planted for the first time ever. I really tried to plant spring food plots. Okay. And so it had been a while since I'd been there and planted them everything. And so I like turned the corner and I see just the most beautiful, glorious soybean spring food plot that I could ever envision and imagine. And it's mine. Yeah. Like I did that. Yeah. And for some reason that like triggered because the, they, they posted the results on a Saturday and that's when I was there. And I was like, oh, I can check to see if I drew. And so I sign mm-hmm. in. And so I'm literally standing in my amazing spring food plot, checked the email, and found out that I drew the Iowa tag. And so I was just like in this euphoria. <laughs> yeah, I was just in this euphoria of like, I don't deserve this. This is the best thing ever. And so, so yeah, it was, yeah, like I said, long time coming. Uh, I was fairly positive I was going to draw, um, but it was, yeah, it it was absolutely, it was amazing. So that's awesome, dude. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm happy for you. And so I almost want to ask you a whole bunch of questions. Yeah, like, go for it. Like, so you, you're you're going to draw, right? Or are you going to do the public thing? You're going to do the outfitting thing? You're going to lease some ground? You, you you got some permission lined up? What's what's the deal, man? So been exploring all those options. Um, I met a guy at the ATA show two years ago from mm-hmm. Iowa. And mm-hmm. he and I just hit it off. He's been on my show. Uh, his uncle has actually come down and been hog hunting on our place. And yep. so he's been telling me all along, like, hey, you know, when you draw, give me a call. When you draw, give me a call. And so uh, I drew. I called him. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. He answered the phone. This was something I wanted to talk to you about. He answered the phone, and he's like, man, have y'all been as dry as we've been? Mm-hmm. And I was like, we've been kind of dry, but not too bad. And he's just like, oh, man, like, this is terrible. We're in a huge drought. And and going on and on. And I was like, so what you're telling me is it's a terrible year to draw an Iowa tag. And he kind of like paused for a second. He's like, did you draw? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, man. It's so... You know, we've gotten a lot of rain right here. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, I, well, I don't say, I want to say a lot in the last week, but not a lot over the past three months. You right. know what I mean? So it was yeah. a dry spring. It was a dry, it's been a dry summer so far i mean we got corn curl going on on the leaves real bad we got stunted growth on soybeans and corn and so it's not the best right but here's what i will say i've seen worse yeah right okay i I think it was a handful of years ago we went like 63 days without rain Mm -hmm. uh here in iowa and it was hot as balls and so the corn was the yield was way down in certain parts of the state um, especially out in the western part of the state, but zone five this year, I would say we've gotten we've gotten okay rain, and and it's kind of got made up for in the last handful of uh, uh, handful of days. But is it back to normal? Absolutely not. Yeah. But it, it, as far as you know, co- crops are concerned and and deer are concerned, I think you'll be surprised at, at what potential potentially pops up. Good. That's that's encouraging because I was getting yep. a little worried. But back to the original question. So yep. yes, I do I do have him as a resource. He's pretty much said between him and buddies and stuff, he thinks he can probably get me on a deer. 
Uh, I've still been doing a ton of scouting on public land just in case, um, just in case something happens with him or, you know, his, his place does get hit with EHD. So I've been on Onyx a ton. Uh, I, I, I did think about the outfitter route and I had multiple people reach out to me about that. Uh, but if I'm being completely honest, I just don't know if I can bring myself to pay somebody to put me on a whitetail deer. Uh, you know, I just, that's kind of my bread and butter. Um, and you know, this is going to be something very different for me, but I've just, I've been successful. I've killed some big deer, so I just don't see myself paying for it. So most likely it's going to be the, the buddy on private or public. Right. Hey dude, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, you're going to have a great time regardless. I mean, depending on where you go, uh, and when you come, I think there, you know, there's, especially in that zone, there is always the opportunity or i shouldn't say the opportunity there's always a chance Mm -hmm. that something giant comes through some doe pulls some buck from two miles away into you know there's always that that could possibly happen on top of that depending on how many days you're going to commit to this hunt i mean sounds like once every seven years you're going to want to commit a lot of time to it oh yeah but or maybe even multiple trips throughout the year but i'm going to tell you this man you hunt hard I really do believe that if you hunt hard and you hunt smart, a 150 is not out of the question. Yep. Yep. And that's uh, first thing I want to talk about was kind of expectations with that. Yeah. And um, my first question is, you know, this is Iowa. So which tree do I need to sit in to kill a 200 inch deer? Because I know <laughs> that, you know, I, I'm sure you have 20 or so that you know of. Uh, yeah. No, no, that's, uh, I, you know, I, I feel like, and I think I might've talked to you about this before. I I'm in a pretty unique situation mm-hmm. where I drew this tag. I'm going to Iowa, but I know realistically I'm probably not going to kill the biggest deer my entire life. Um, right. That being said, I think there is a chance I could kill the biggest archery buck of my life. Yep. Um, But you know, Oklahoma has tiny little deer, non, you know, small antlers and stuff, but I've been pretty fortunate. And, uh, and, uh, so yeah, so I, I, that's kind of my goal is to yeah. maybe kill my biggest archery buck, uh, which, and what would that be? What would it take to do that? Just over 140, basically. Oh, yes. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you right now, you're, you're going to run into 140. If, if you're hunting private ground, mm-hmm. If you, if you get on this ground, depending on what kind of pressure, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that could happen, but I'm just assuming it's going to be a timber ag mix in zone five, which means that people who own the properties are knowledgeable about whitetails, right? They, they know, like, they know that they're not going to be shooting two and three-year-olds on these farms, unless it's like a heavy shotgun drive uh, farm, which could or couldn't, you know, but might, might or not, might not be. But what I'm getting at here is, is I pass, and this sounds like I'm being cocky, but I pass several three-year-old 140s every single year, mm-hmm. several. Yeah. And so it, you're going to have an opportunity, even if it's the last day of your hunt and you haven't had the time, time, and all of a sudden this 140 class three-year-old walks in, uh, 145, 10 pointer, man, shoot it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I don't know, something I've been battling with myself also is like, you know, I'm not on my own land. Granted, I will be on somebody else's land, which I feel like I do mm-hmm. need to respect their wishes and their goals. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely don't see myself killing a two-year-old, you know, 145, three-year-old walks by. Like, that's going to be really, really hard to pass. That's something I could pass on my own land. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, every seven years, that's going to be something really hard to pass. Well, and the the fact, I mean, all this has to be a conversation with the landowner. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are your expectations? What can I shoot? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds to me like this guy's just going to let you do whatever you want. If I had to guess, he's going to be like, hey, man, you go out and you do your hunt. You, ha- you shoot whatever makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Most people are going to say that unless you're going to a farm that is already strictly managed for age class. Mm-hmm. And then even then. I mean, if he says, and hey, we're not shooting three-year-olds, well, you're definitely going to get a crack at a four-year-old Yeah. If, if if it's managed properly. Right. And so 
are, are these guys farmers or are they they're, they're actually ranch hunters? they're actually ranchers and they do okay. some they they hunt some but i don't i wouldn't say they're super hardcore yeah. um and he he sent me some trail cameras trail camera photos last year of some amazing bucks so, oh well then yeah i mean yeah. it sounds to me like uh uh, if they're not serious hunters, maybe they're shotgun guys, maybe they're late season guys. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You're going to get an opportunity at something. Yeah. That's the hope. That's the hope. Yep. yep. So, all right. Well, uh, again, several questions here. Uh, I do. I wanted, I wanted your opinion on timing, you know, when mm -hmm. I should go. And, and I do, you mentioned, you know, you know, not this, you know, I don't get this opportunity every day. So I do plan on taking, full week weekend on each side you know nine ten days is is the plan um but when to do that and and i'm i'm also fortunate in this way with my job i can be fairly flexible like i don't have to give my boss a set week you know right, right. now and can't move it you know or anything like that and so my hope is to basically give my boss a date range be like hey sometime in this you know three weeks i'm going to be gone for a week and kind of you know check the weather and and kind of play it like that that's that's my hope i'm not positive but yeah uh i keep having a battle with myself because you know anytime you watch any of the big hunting celebrity guys they're all in iowa and stuff they always talk about that november 7th like that's mm -hmm. the magic day yep. but i've also heard people you know non-residents like myself who are going in there and they're like man i avoid that day because everybody goes november 7th yep. and so i've had the thought of maybe going a little later, um, you know, kind of letting that first rush go. And, you know, I know, I know a lot of times the bigger bucks are a little bit more active, maybe kind of the tail end of the rut. I've thought about maybe going a little earlier, um, just kind of the way the, the year lays out this year. I think, I think Halloween's like a Tuesday or something. So I thought about maybe leaving that weekend before and hunting the last couple of days of October into the first couple of days of November. Um, if I truly am on private, Maybe I don't have to worry about pressure, and I do go that no. November seventh. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good for a reason because everybody that you're talking to is private land hunting, mm -hmm. right? And so the pressure, especially if it's if it's if it's not a free for all, like I hunt a couple free for all properties, and and so it the the those are the examples of what you're talking about. Let let everybody go in and ruin it, basically. Mm -hmm let it recover for a couple of days and then go in and, and hunt that later, the, the mid to late November. Mm -hmm. So here's what I'll say is depending on the pressure situation on this farm. And, and I, I mean, hunting pressure because in Iowa farming and ranching pressure, that doesn't mean anything to me because they're out there all the time. It's not a threat to the deer unless they're going into the timber and chainsaw and stuff. And, and I don't know, just basically look like just taking a four wheeler in joy riding in, but most people aren't doing that if I had to guess. And so I would honestly say that the rut in my opinion, doesn't kick off until that fifth, sixth and seventh mm -hmm. timeframe for me. And I think what makes the seventh so like a lot of people just assume that the rut starts on November 1st because it's November 1st. Right. Everything that I've seen in is that my doe groups aren't coming into heat until the, the 7th to the 14th timeframe. And so you have the pretty much the first seven days of November as the pre rut, meaning these bucks are easily callable, uh, especially if you see them and you can ground them in. Uh, the doe groups are still in a non, they're not getting harassed, really. They might be getting harassed by some two or three-year-olds, but that's nothing compared to what they're going to get a week from then uh, when every deer in the, in the area is going to be downwind of them uh, or scent checking them throughout. They're going to be scattered. They're going to start the chaos of the rut. And so that's why I really like the, I personally like the first week of November because of the pre-rut feel that I get with it. Mm -hmm. It's still pre-rut. And, and I feel like late October, the, they're just starting to 
they're just starting to get a little fired up mm -hmm. unless you know a doe group but you don't like you don't know that what the does are doing on this mm -hmm. farm which i would also suggest that you need to make a uh, a trip up here in in august or september mm -hmm. get some cameras out uh get some scouting done get in there maybe hang a uh, a tree stand in, in in a spot so that when you walk in your first day you can go right into a spot and and feel like you're ready for it and not like after running gun the whole time yeah i like that i like that yeah. um yeah another thing i meant to mention this earlier with kind of <clears throat> in the expectation things is trying to like where do i prioritize this trip with the stuff that i have here um so like that last weekend of october is uh part of oklahoma's muzzleloader season and traditionally mm -hmm. i've had really good luck there now again it's almost to my benefit as far as this trip is that that weekend's a little earlier in october i think that's like the 27th and 8th or something like that mm -hmm. um but then the next weekend is opening of texas rifle season and me and my buddies mm -hmm. always go to my buddy's lease it's like our big deer camp type thing um and so part of me hates to miss that but Again, we keep going back to the every seven year thing. Like, yeah. I, I do think this is going to take priority. Um, you know, at yeah. first I was like, if I could work around that late, that's kind of where, I, you know, that maybe later November kind of came in originally. It was like, I could, you know, have my really good time in Oklahoma or my really good time in Texas and then go to Iowa. Um, but even in this conversation, I'm getting so jazzed up. I'm like, dude, screw that <laughs> stuff. Let's just go. So, right. So, the other thing here then is minus the pre rut. Okay, so the pre-rut runs into November. Yeah. November 7th is when it's really, in my opinion, starts to heat up. That's when you're seeing the, the, the chasing and all that stuff. But there's something that happens. I don't know if you want to call it post-rut uh, or the second half of the rut, let's say. Let's say the 14th to the 20th or the 25th, let's just say. When you're starting to, you're buttoning up against this uh, Thanksgiving time frame is my trail camera picture uh my trail cameras have historically seen the biggest bucks on their feet and this is random deer including the homebody deer that i know are cruising at this point and they're 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 putting on miles they're walking around all day long you know they may bed down for a little bit and and uh, catch a breath but this is when I'm seeing the big, like the big random deer, mature bucks on their feet. Mm -hmm. And so keep that in the back of your mind as well. Yeah. Uh, if you run into a scenario where you decide to do that and nobody else or that other farm has very little pressure on it from an archery standpoint, that's what I, that's what I would uh, talk with a guy about. Okay. Mm -hmm. How many art, how many acres is it? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. No. Okay. Uh, more than a hundred. Yes. Okay. Like, uh, 500. I want to say it's around 400 acres. Okay. 400 acres. Okay. How many archery hunters do you currently are, are going to be running around on it? Maybe, right? maybe two. <laughs> okay. So two, including you or just um I, so like the guy hunts it a little bit and then i think yep. he has a brother who hunts it a little bit okay all right so weekend warrior type mm -hmm. type guys okay so on 400 acres two guys eh, if, if especially i'm guessing if they're not serious they have field edge stands they're not going into the timber as much they might mm -hmm. but it's it's very limited mm -hmm. and so from that point on then i would say um, that, that's no pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then you have, the only thing you really have to worry about is like uh first season muzzleloader, which, uh, I wouldn't say is a big deal, mm -hmm. uh, there. Uh, and then does he, does he have any ag or is it all cattle? Uh, I'm pretty sure they have some ag too, a little bit. Okay. All right. And so this might be an opportunity for you to say, um hey man i'll pay uh i'll pay you two thousand dollars to leave x amount of crops in uh, mm -hmm. and then you have a backup plan at for a uh you know go to the food and you yeah. can hunt uh all the way and, and you, they let it slide during the gun season all the deer come in to this area 
this is just me thinking out loud. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the area. I don't know how how pressured it gets, how the surrounding farms. But you're in zone five. Depending on what county it's in, it's like the surrounding guys are going to be serious deer hunters too. So yeah, yeah. no, for sure. I, I think they are. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm getting so jacked just thinking about it, talking about it. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up going like the first week of October just because I'm too yeah, right. Yeah. You're gonna go opening day and just <laughs> blow everything uh-huh, out. Uh-huh. No, no. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. I also wanted to talk about, because, uh, you know, again, I'll be going in somewhat blind. You know, I'm sure the guy will help me out, um, you know, tell me historically good places. I do. I really want to try to make it up there sometime this summer. Not sure if that's going to happen or not. Um, I'm going to Nebraska for opening day, right. September 1st. And okay. so my kind of hope is that I, you know, have some success there early and then maybe just run over. I know it sounds like it's not that far when you all things considered, you know, yeah. run over to Iowa for a day or two to drive around, uh, you know, maybe look at the property if possible. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope to have a chance, but I may not. And yeah. so kind of my next question is I had a really, really good talk um, just two or three weeks ago. I had a guy in the podcast. Uh, he's one of my brother's friends. And. He's like by far and away the best public land hunter that I've ever met, talked to, or anything. And uh, and I, I love learning from public land guys, even though I'm mostly a private land guy, because I mean those guys just they really have to hunt, you know, like they really know what they're doing. And so listen to him talk. One thing that he said that I, I wouldn't say it blew my mind, but it's just different than what you hear from a lot of people, especially public land hunters is he really does not pay that much attention to sign as far as rubs, scrapes, and everything. He is all about terrain. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so many studies and people studying how deer use the landscape, saddles, pinch points, and that type of stuff. And he basically just relies on that. And, And he's like, you know, sure, there could be a scrape there. There could not. The deer could hit that scrape. They could not. Most of that's at night anyway. And so his deal is like, I just find a spot that I know is good terrain that deer are probably going to come through, and that's where he hunts. Um, oh, yeah. Would you agree with that, even in a, a state like Iowa? Yeah. 100%. 100%. Man, I, you know, usually there's crossover there, right? There's going to be sign where deer move through, right? Whether that's a field edge, whether that's a pinch point, whether that's like a ridge or some kind of, uh, uh, bedding area, thick bedding area meets open timber edge is where you're going to find it. Uh, bedding areas obviously is where you're going to find it. But I'm going to tell you right now, man, I don't, I like, I don't get as excited about a big rub other than holy cow, that's a big rub. <laughs> Something in the area did that, mm-hmm. right? I get fired up about that, but I don't usually make a decision of where I'm going to place a tree stand based off of uh, based off based off of that particular sign. Now, if I'm on a field edge that's just destroyed by scrapes, because I've run into a couple scenarios uh, over the years uh, where I walk into the farm and every branch that hangs over the field has a scrape underneath of it. I'm talking and it, every one of them's active. And so I say to myself, okay, I know that studies show that like a majority of the sign is laid at night, scrapes and rubs. It's done in the dark. So that means nothing to me as a hunter because I can't hunt at night. So I'm moving into the timber off a main trail, off a terrain feature. And so I get, I get more excited about something like a, a crit crossing let's say, uh, a really well-used crick crossing uh, or a uh, or a really heavily used trail leading into where there's some edge of some sort, 
Okay. But then you also have to remember that can be misleading because a deer has uh, a deer has four, you know, four legs mm -hmm. and that's four, four prints that walk up and down. And so you take that, you know, times two deer. And now you're talking about, you know, it's just only two deer, but it looks like there's just a herd coming through there. And if they're doing that multiple days a week, it could only be, it's only two deer, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> so I've never thought about that. You know, deer have four feet when you're looking at tracks and that's a good point. Yep. Interesting. Yep. So it, it, it could, it could look like there's a ton there, especially if the same deer are doing it over and over, mm -hmm. but usually heavy trails, crit crossings, some kind of uh, staging area, like 50 to a hundred yards off of a field edge is where you're going to find me, man. Yeah. Let's say I find a spot like that. And I know this is yep. the complete opposite of what you like to do, but let's say I find this amazing Creek crossing or mm -hmm. fallen log that's funneling deer, whatever it might be pinch point. And I, I know this isn't you, but if, if you're in my situation where I'm coming for a week or whatever, are you going to set a stand up on that feature and just sit there over and over and over again? A lot of it has to do with time. A lot of it has to do with what I'm seeing. I mean, you got to go somewhere to start. Right. Right. And if you have eight days, you know, uh, depending on, on where, like, I would almost suggest it if you have not scouted it, if you have no trail camera intel, if you are basically just shooting from the hip, I would start out get an observation, sit in, see where deer are coming out, take a truck, drive the field edges or an ATV or something like that, drive the field edges, look for scrapes, look for rubs, and then and then go in from there. And then you look on the top of the map and then you say, okay, well, where are where's the terrain feature here? Mm -hmm. And then you have to say, okay, what wind direction can I get away with from my access route? And so you're really what you're doing is you're taking backward steps to the tree stand that you, you want to sit because you have to, once you find the trees, like the area that you need to be, then you have to go, okay, how do I get to it without right. blowing deer? So, yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm so, so to answer your, yeah, to answer your question, I would do a couple observation sets, mm -hmm. then start getting into the timber based off of what you see, where the deer are coming out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Cause I, I've done a lot of deer hunting, but I've never, like, I've never done a ruckcation. I've never mm -hmm. taken a week long white tail trip. Like I've never deer hunted eight right. days in a row ever. Right. And so I'm really excited because I've, I've never been able to do that where I like pick it apart and slowly work my way in and figure things out. It's always two or three days and then I'm gone for five days. And in that five days, things usually change, you know, it's, you're either getting yep. closer to the rut or you're getting further away from it. And yep. so I'm, I'm really excited about that part. Um, with that two, two things, uh, I do not own a saddle. I've never yep. used a saddle. And this year between going to Nebraska and Iowa, maybe hunting a little bit more public land here in Oklahoma, I've thought about picking up a saddle. Mm -hmm. Do you think that'd be smart? I know you're kind of a tree stand guy. I've always been a tree stand guy. Yeah. Is it, would you think it's worth it? I think it's worth it. I think it's another tool. Uh, so I would say have your tree stands ready. Right. Also have your saddles ready. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is if you need to make a move right now, a saddle weighs nothing. Keep it in your pack. Drop down. Get up. Right. I mean, it get get set. Uh, so the the footprint you're leaving behind is isn't uh, isn't much. Mm -hmm. So here's what I would say. If I was you, here's what I would do type of scenario. I would get to this farm in August with about three tree stands, three or four tree stands that you feel, hey, man, these are awesome pinch points. This is an awesome staging area. And of course, August is going to look a lot different than November, mm -hmm. but at least you have something to go to. Right. Then from there, where the saddle kicks in is okay. I need to be a 50 yards this way. Mm -hmm. Grab some more climbing sticks. You get up uh, uh, with your platform. And if you need to, you can keep those, those uh, climbing sticks in the tree, mm -hmm. depending on how much, how many you have. 
and then just take the platform down and the saddle down every night. And that way, the next time you, unless you need to adjust, you can go back to that same tree, hook your saddle up, and then you're, you're in it right away. Yeah. Um, and so I would say each has its place. Now I'm not the expert saddle hunter yet because I only hunted a couple times last year in it. This year, I'll definitely be, be hunting more in it, uh, just from the, the mobility standpoint. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, seeing the, the benefits from it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I definitely see the benefits. I have a good buddy that has one. Um, actually I did get in his one time, uh, you know, like three feet off the ground, just kind of played around yeah. with it. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I probably do need to pick one up. Uh, mm-hmm. along those same lines, kind of, <laughs> you might laugh. I don't know. Maybe you laugh. Maybe not. I have never in my entire life done an all day sit. Never never oh, I have, I've done, I've done all, all day sits okay. and they suck. Dude, yes. I hate them. I hate, <laughs> I hate all day sits. Yep. I do not like them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my experience, like everybody says, oh man. This is what I hear a lot. You're getting out of the woods, man. You're missing so many hours a day. And here's what I'm saying. I've found my success in the pre-rut, right? The pre-rut is not the rut. The pre-rut deer are not, and this is just my experiences on the farms that I hunt, deer are not on their feet from 11 to 2. Yeah, They're just not. Unless a storm comes through, a coyote bumps them, another, another, uh, human comes in and bumps them farming whatever but in the first five days in november like yeah sometimes maybe but that's just those are all um exceptions Mm -hmm. like what i've seen is i the first you know from daybreak to about maybe 9 30 10 o'clock and then from about 2 30 maybe three o'clock all the way to uh dark are the best times to be in and so if i have uh, i if i have locked tight access routes i can feel comfortable getting in and out of a tree stand especially if i'm going back to the same one mm-hmm. uh and, and going to the truck and what this allows me to do is it, it allows me to not burn myself out on these hunts now if i have trail camera intel that shows a buck coming through at noon multiple days in a row you best believe that at noon I'm going to be in that tree stand if the if the if there's information that points to it. But there's never for me there's never information that points to it. And usually I knock on wood, I'm tagged out by uh, November seventh anyway. And I don't know, man. I, I it's always a good backup, but I'm not I'm not worried about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like for me, one I'm a pretty fidgety person. And, oh, same here. and my back gets tight very easily. And so mm-hmm. I just, I, I almost feel like I would be doing more harm than good because I know I'd be having to stand up and stretch and move right. my arms. And, and I just know I'd be, you know, up flailing when, when that buck did come by, if it came by. Right. Um, right. And also I, I really enjoy midday scouting. Uh, mm-hmm. So like Nebraska last year, you know, it's a very similar thing. I'd never step, step foot on the property um so yeah i would hunt in the morning even though it was september and then i'd get down walk around find sign and i learned so much from from that midday intel um and then you know set up again in the evening and again i only got to hunt two days last year but yeah um i just see myself being more in that mode um yeah i just i just honestly don't know if i can bring myself to sit in the stand from six to six or whatever it is yeah. I mean, I got stuff to do too. I got work to do. So, yeah. um, I don't want to bring a laptop in the tree because that just defeats the purpose of what I'm trying to do, what I'm doing. And that's, I had a really good conversation with a guy yesterday about this. Like, dude, I, I, you boil it down. I'm really not even interested in like the hunting aspect of it. I'm just interested in st- sitting in a tree and watching nature. I mean, that is the biggest stress relief for me. And so the, the strategy is fun. The mature bucks is fun. But when I, when you boil it all down to the most common denominator, man, I'm there to just relax and unwind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. And that's, I've been saying all along, like, kind of, like I said at the beginning, like I'm going, knowing 
there is a chance I could kill the biggest buck of my life. There is, right. but I'm, I'm going knowing that that's probably not going to be the case. Right. I, I am super excited to just experience an Iowa rut, you know, oh, yeah. the big bucks, the buck to doe ratio deer everywhere. Like that's, that's what I'm excited for. I'm, I'm ready to see bucks fight and chase and run all over the place. Um, Cause I just don't get well, to experience that here that much. Just manage those expectations because I've seen two buck fights in 20 years of bow hunting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that they just, they just don't do it. Usually the dominant buck steps in, puts his ears back and then the other ones uh, walk away. Um, I don't like the, depending on what County you're in, I'm not, I used to back in the late nineties, early 2000s, I can remember seeing 25, 30 deer a night, right? I don't see that anymore, right? Even uh, on, on late in the late season hunt last year, I did, I saw 70 deer all stacked in too, but that was, that's a unique scenario. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, you're, I'm, I'm seeing maybe five to 10 deer a night now. Yeah. right and they're not running all over the place right uh you you will get uh you know some some young bucks hassling some does but just manage those expectations like it's you're you have the potential to see something big and mature but still doing what deer do in all states right yeah. walking around on in in the landscape it's just that it's going to be they're going to be less pressured and they're going to you're going to have a potential for an higher a higher age structure gotcha gotcha all right Thank you for the warning. Thank you for the warning. I, I don't. I don't want to rain on your parade. <laughs> no, no, that's good. People have these have these this vision of what Iowa is supposed to be, and unless you're hunting the Drury or Lakoski or the Kiski or you know the Lindsay Farms, mm -hmm. yeah, you're gonna see that crazy shit. But you won't. Like I hunt in a Primo County, in a Primo neighborhood, and I still don't see that. Like yeah. it, it's it's way more than the other uh, farm that I hunted in uh, uh, in uh, my main farm that I've been hunting for the most. But even this new farm last year, it, they weren't just, they were there and I could see them, but they weren't going crazy. Like what you see on these other, on these other farms. Yeah. Okay. All right. I know I don't want to keep you too long, but I do have one more question for you. Important question for me, being yep. a, uh, a warm weather boy, yep, yep. what should I expect? weather-wise temperature-wise and i know that's going to vary a little bit year to year but kind of generally across the board what should i expect here's what you want here's what i'll tell you you want you want a gigantic 24 whenever you decide to come here's what you 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 hope happens you want a a week of like high 60s low 70s to happen then you want a like a, a 24 to 48 hour. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 48 hour rain event to happen where it just rains for two days straight. Shitty, windy, bad weather. And then you want it to break. And the second that that last that last uh uh raindrop hits, and hopefully the high that day is gonna be like 35 to 40 degrees bright sunny day you want to be in a tree stand mm -hmm. the that within the first 24 hours outside of that deer are on their feet they're moving back and forth they've been bedded down for two straight days you know they may get up and move a little bit but they're not they're not stretching their legs they're not comfortable and so man if you like the, what you want is to have that 40 degree but one of the biggest bucks i've ever saw I've ever seen while in a tree stand, it was 75 degrees on November 5th hmm. or 4th or 5th or something like that. Yeah. And so he he was coming through in a pinch point at like 3.30 in the afternoon and I, he got downwind to me and, and jimmied on me. But, uh, but yeah, man, you want, you, it can like, I wish I could tell you what, you know, what, what to expect as far as weather's concerned, mm -hmm. but here's what you could expect. You could expect it to be 80 <laughs> or you could expect it to be negative 12. Yeah. Right. I've hunted the rut when it's been in the seventies and eighties. I've hunted ruts where it was the high was negative 12. Mm. 
so that, that's was, the part i was curious about because yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh i mean you know down here same bring thing. everything yeah exactly uh last time i brought everything on a hunting trip i got my truck stolen but i'm gonna do it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well we don't have uh i mean we got stuff like that but yeah. you're yeah. not gonna run into too many yeah denvers in yeah. iowa we, we yeah. do have a denver iowa and they have uh a, um from my understanding they have a really good restaurant that has really good tenderloins and tacos good to know good to know yeah. you won't be anywhere around that place oh, now, okay just gotcha. in case you ever drive by <laughs> it. all right all right uh but yeah i mean obviously it's the same everywhere you know you never know yeah. what to expect it's been hot it's been cold but you know yeah. i wasn't sure if a cold day in early november was 20 or if it could be zero yeah i mean it could be mm -hmm. right i mean here's what i would here's if i could have every day be the same i would want the overnight to go below freezing in the high 20s uh maybe even the high teens and then it gets to the 35 you know, the high of the day is 35 or 40. So the mornings are really cold. The, you know, the afternoons, you can go in like a hoodie, uh, maybe a jacket. And then by the end of the night, you're bundled because yeah. uh, uh, that's, th those are what I love the most this year. Uh, this, the, the sun was coming up. It was behind the clouds a little bit, but man, it was, it was like, the high, the high that day was 45 mm. when I, the, the day I shot my buck. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Like I said, I was just curious, like if it hits zero here ever, that's a huge mm. deal. I, I I think I've seen negative temperatures maybe twice in my life down here. Ever. Yeah. Um, and that time in November, you know, like if it gets below freezing, that's pretty cold for that time of year. We, we oh, normally yeah. don't get our super cold weather till like January, February, um maybe even march um yeah so i was just you know wasn't sure if i need to be prepared for 30 or uh, for zero. just be prepared for everything all right, all right. yeah i'll probably bring it all so yeah, bring it all ah well cool man well like i said i want to be respectful of your time anything i'm missing any last minute tips uh if you want to send me some onyx points to those 200 inch deer <laughs> that'd be great but uh anything i'm missing i'm trying to i'm trying to think you know 200 inch is this magic number right mm -hmm. um I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If I kill a 150 inch deer, like I'm going to be ecstatic. Dude, I'll help you come drag it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll help you come. I'll, I mean, I, there's a chance I'm in the same because mm -hmm. I, I hunt zone five. So, okay. I mean, it's just depending on what county it's in, I, I'll be able to hop in my truck and come help you out, man. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. So, uh, I'd, buy, let's see. I'd, I'd buy you one of those uh, bush lights you uh, Midwesterners oh, are always buddy. drinking. Oh, buddy, <laughs> Iowa water. Um, what was I guess? Oh, 200. So I've seen, I'm trying to think in my entire life, I've seen one, two, three. Let's see. In the tree stand, I've seen one. Two, three, 200 inchers, and driving from the road, I've seen two more. So five total 200 inchers. And, and the one was a no doubter mm -hmm. in the early 2000s, I think it was when I was hunting. It was a no doubter. It was probably, I'll just say it, I'm guessing it would compete with a world record whitetail. I mean, it was typical whitetail, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and so, in, in that many, they just don't get that high right it's, i mean they just don't get that big that like the magic number if you see a booner if you see a 170 class that's a gigantic animal oh, yeah. right even even 150s man i got a 154 downstairs on my wall and he is he's got it's a nine pointer great mass gorgeous animal and i have another one that's i haven't measured him but i'm guessing he's about 150 low 150s he's got a 24 inch spread uh as an eight pointer and he's gorgeous too. And I'm shooting those deer, those types of deer every single year, unless something happens to where I can start managing my own properties. Um, but I'm not gonna, I'm not passing 150s, dude. Yeah. Oh, me neither. And one thing that I know I'm going to struggle with nuts, like I'm, I'm pretty good at scoring deer. I don't think I'd get too crazy excited anything, but judging age, I think it's going to be oh, difficult yeah. for me because, you know, I, in the area I'm in, we have, I would say, bigger than average deer for Oklahoma, Texas, anywhere in the south. Like our deer get pretty good body size. 
but I don't think we're getting Iowa big. And mm-hmm. so I think that's going to be something I struggle with is aging here, which again, I'm not too awful concerned about it because, yeah, you know, it's not like I'm trying to manage the deer or anything, but, uh, but again, if I am on private land trying to be respectful, I, I want to be somewhat conscious of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm just excited. So. Oh, I th- as, as I think you should be, dude, it's going to be fun. Uh, make sure you stop at a Casey's, get some breakfast pizzas. I will. Uh, get some tenderloins. You might actually put on weight on this hunting trip. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need to do that anymore, but no, uh, I, no, I, no. I did. Uh, I, I went to, oh gosh, my, my uncle was doing something in Indiana a couple years ago and he paid me like a thousand bucks to go to fly up there and just like sit in a rental car in front of this building for two days. Uh, they just like basically like signed for deliveries and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I remember I passed a Casey's and I like flipped around U-turn <laughs> slammed on the brakes, locked it up. Like I got to get some Casey's pizza because I hear about it all the time. Northern Oklahoma actually has Casey's. Uh, I oh, just, really? yeah. Uh, I just, I just don't go up there very much, but, but yeah, so it's nice, still nice. special to me. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I've taken up enough of your time, so I uh, I want to let you go here. But uh, real quick, before I let you go, if people want to uh, listen to your podcast or learn more about the Sportsman's Empire, where do they need to go? They need to go to Nine Finger Chronicles or they need to go to Sportsman's Empire and uh, just Google it and it'll take you to wherever you need to go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool, Dan. Thank you very much. Uh, go listen to Dan's show. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Ladies and gentlemen, the emperor himself, thank you, Dan Johnson, for coming on the show, talking a little Iowa with me. Uh, Great conversation. That's exactly what I was expecting and hoping to get out of it. I feel like some areas, uh, you know, you were kind of honest, maybe brought me down a peg or two, but then I also feel like other areas, you kind of encouraged me and, and brought me up, brought my excitement up a little bit, and so... I'm just ready. I'm so ready for deer season. Right around the corner. Um, it's time to get those trail cameras out, like I said at the beginning. And and let's stinking go. So, happy 4th of July, everybody. Thank y'all for listening to this show. And until next time, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.